We're going to need a lot of hope as these last days grow darker and more ominous and more antichrist. But bless God, our holy hope swallows the fear and dread with one single Holy Ghost gulp. God's Word has mighty good news for the saints, and that good news is that we don't have bad news. Imagine, everything is ordered by our Father to work together for our good, and that is most especially our darkest moments. Romans 8:28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Now consider Proverbs 4:18. But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. Consider the magnitude of these two promises made by God. One, everything is working together for our good. And two, our path unto heaven grows brighter and sharper every day. Put these marvelous promises together and you can boldly and confidently say, today is the best day of my life and tomorrow will be better. The deep, darkening days of the end are foretold in God's Word, and they will all work together for the good of the blood-bought who mix the Word with faith. Yes, it is certainly true. The best friend of the candle is extreme darkness. The darker it becomes, the more beneficial the candle. It's time to shine, saints. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 14, Ye are the light of the world. Hallelujah, saints. We have such a blessed hope in Christ Jesus, and hope ain't wishing. It will surely come to pass. Dear friend, have you yet to be born again? John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Born again means born a second time, this time of the Spirit of God. In just a moment. I will invite you to follow me in a simple prompt, and if you do, everything changes for you today. You will be born a second time. Today, all your sins and shame will be expunged from your record, every single one. Today, all of Satan's bondages in your life will be broken. The bigger, the better. Today, your journey on the path that shines begins. Here is the prompt I promised. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13, And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? God said, Mark 16, 17, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. God said, Romans 8, 26 and 27, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, 
because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Man said, I need to help save the world. I've got to reduce my carbon footprint and make sure I'm recycling. Getting my soul saved doesn't fit with my sophisticated and so magnanimous lifestyle. I think you know what I mean. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said feature article 1130 that will once again certify the marvelous truths of God's hallelujah book. All of these word-centric features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification and as a platform from which to fish for the souls of men. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for visiting. May God's face of light and truth shine upon you. It's impressive to see. They always end up here. When the world's academics arrive at their latest and greatest, they always find the blood-bought sitting right in the middle of it, and they've been sitting there for thousands of years. The very first three words of the Holy Bible are an excellent example. Genesis 1-1 starts in the beginning. And the evolutionists, the champions of the God of the academics, stood in unison to deny. But things have changed. According to this Antichrist group, there was no beginning. Rather, the universe always just was. During the 20th century, science's newest discoveries demanded a beginning. Or how about Adam and Eve? Science contended that the parents of mankind were nothing more than a fairy tale. Now, however, Y-chromosome Adam and MTDNA Eve are acknowledged scientifically as the father and mother of all the people on the earth. They always end up here. This is the final feature in the short series regarding extraterrestrials. In feature one, we made five defining statements. One, there is life in outer space. Two, there are extraterrestrials here upon the earth, multitudes of them. Three, there is then the ultimate extraterrestrial. Four, extraterrestrials can be engaged in conversation. And five, special communicating tools have been made available. In feature two, we discuss the Fermi paradox. Let's revisit the Fermi paradox. The following paragraphs are from the quarterly number four, 2016 issue of Creation Magazine. The feature was written by Gary Bates, CEO of Creation Ministries International, and is titled The Fermi Paradox, subhead, If Evolution Really Happened All Over Our Universe, Where Is Everybody? Bates writes, In the 1950s, Nobel Prize winner and pioneer of atomic energy Enrico Fermi, while working at Los Alamos Nuclear Facility in New Mexico, raised some straightforward questions. Are we the only technologically advanced civilization in the universe? And if we are not, then where are they? Why haven't we seen any traces of extraterrestrial life, such as probes or transmissions? Why haven't we found their artifacts on Earth or in our solar system? End of quote. The Bible is abundantly clear, however. The heavens are full of life. The biblically unlearned are simply listening and looking in all the wrong places. There is a dazzling life in outer space, but not of the human kind. God, his Christ, and his cherubim, seraphim, angels, and hosts of celestial creatures dwell in the heavens. 
They are the extraterrestrials carnal man seeks, but they can only be spiritually discerned unless the heavenly choose otherwise. In feature two, we address Fermi's request for artifacts. Speaking of the extraterrestrials, theorist and vision, Fermi asked, why haven't we found their artifacts on Earth or in our solar system? The Oxford Dictionary defines artifact as a product of prehistoric or aboriginal workmanship as distinguished from a similar object naturally produced. Artifacts, Mr. Fermi? Consider the artifact supreme. The God of all extraterrestrials and of all creation authored a book called the Holy Bible, comprised of 66 independent books which were authored by God and penned by his holy men. This glorious book is the artifact supreme. The answers to all of life's questions are written on its inerrant pages. The answers to where we come from, why we are here, where we are going after this life are clearly defined. The record of how God created the heaven and the earth, along with its marvelous life forms, has been noted. It's a literal owner's manual. It includes directions on how to eat, to work, and to stay healthy, instructions on how to socially interact, to live, and even to gain immortality in Christ Jesus are penned on its pages. This book has been challenged and maligned by Satan and his champions for over 6,000 years, even untold millions of times. Yet it stands undefeated, suffering not a scratch or even a mild abrasion. Looking for an artifact of extraterrestrial involvement, the Holy Bible reigns supreme. It was authored by the God and creator of all, end of quote. Artifacts, Mr. Fermi? Only God's children can understand this book. It's truly a family Bible. Even better, this glorious artifact even comes with an onboard tutor, the Holy Ghost, who leads and guides in all truth, John 14, 26. There are extraterrestrials functioning here on this earth and passing at will from the spiritual dimension into the physical. Consider the following excerpts from last week's feature. Cosmology's Search for Extraterrestrials Continues, Part 3. This is Week 3, and we will be discussing this shocking fact. There are extraterrestrials here on the Earth right now. Over the past couple of decades, and as man's search into the science of quantum mechanics has progressed, scientists theorize that there is a fourth dimension, of course we live in three, and that in this fourth dimension lives an invisible parallel universe or universes that are separated from our three-dimensional universe by the thinnest of membranes. Don't they always end up here? Ephesians declares four dimensions in chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. Don't they always end up here? Jesus tells it all in Luke 17, 20 and 21. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. What they seek we have already found, the invisible kingdom of God. 
The God said, man said feature, close Satan's secret door, reports the following. God said angels. There are over 300 references to angels, good and evil, in the word of God. God's angels are mighty servants and power brokers of the Lord Jehovah. The first occurrence of good angelic-like beings in the Bible is found in Genesis 3, verse 24, and that occurrence for man was not good. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Angelic labors here on the earth are multifaceted. They serve as holy watchers and messengers, Daniel 4, 13 and 14. They serve as protectors of God's children, Psalms 34, 7. They also serve as ministers of support to children of God, Hebrews 1, 13 and 14. They battle against the enemies of the cross of Christ in a multitude of ways. Adam believed in angels. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob believed in angels, and so did Moses, Joshua, Samson, David, Elijah, Elisha, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Daniel, and the entirety of the New Testament apostles and disciples. Jesus Christ believes in angels, and so does God. Angels have been cited hundreds of thousands of times, and that's not even an exaggeration, especially when you consider NDEs, which are reported to occur in 4% of the population. Angels have been cited by many people of great notoriety, and there have been occurrences where more than one individual has experienced the same angelic event, end of quote. Hebrews 13, 2 reads, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Over and over again, angels interact in the affairs of men. Revelations 22, 89, And I, John, saw these things and heard them, and when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel, which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. The title of the June 2022 article in Scientific American is Long Distance Call. A few paragraphs follow. If we ever encounter intelligent life beyond Earth, a key first question will be, how can we communicate? An international team of researchers, led by Jonathan H. Ying of the NASA Jet Propulsion Laboratory, recently detailed a new missive intended for reaching out to extraterrestrial recipients. The 13-part Beacon in the Galaxy updates the 1974 Arecibo message, humanity's first attempt to send a communication that extraterrestrial intelligence might understand. The transmission also features a freshly designed return address that will help any alien listeners pinpoint our location so they can, the researchers hope, kick off an interstellar conversation. Bowling Green State University researcher Sari Wells-Jensen, an expert on the linguistic and cultural issues associated with interstellar uh, message design, said, But just because it would be difficult to achieve global consensus on what to send or whether we should send doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. It is our responsibility to struggle with this and clue as many people in as possible. 
Many insist that the potential rewards of active SETI far outweighed the risk. First contact would be one of the most momentous occasions in the history of our species, the argument goes. And if we just wait around for someone to call us, it may never happen. This is an invitation to all people on Earth to participate in a discussion about sending out this message, Ying says. We hope by publishing this paper, we can encourage people to think about this, end of quote. God, our creator, who is not of this world, has been talking to man since the very beginning and continues to speak to this very day. He speaks to Adam in Genesis 2, 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. When children of God are first saved, it is intriguing to them to know that their older brothers and sisters in the faith have learned to communicate with God lips to ear. This is a two-way divine conversation that goes on daily and even into the believer's dreams. When someone whose ears have been opened comes to the house of God and says, God spoke to me, the congregation responds, what did he say? The sons and daughters of Adam, whose ears are bowed down, speak to and hear from the extraterrestrial of all extraterrestrials. They are serious about talking to LGM. That stands for Little Green Men. The following sentences are from the God Said, Man Said feature, speaking to and getting measurable results from the extraterrestrials, part one. Academia is relatively confident that one day we will speak to individuals or aliens from outer space, so much so that the University of Wyoming has stepped up to supply the required communication skills. The following information was lifted from a 2008 issue of Answers Update. The article is titled, Talking to Aliens. An article on the website of the University of Wyoming, a tax-supported school, states, English 4050-5560, otherwise known as Interstellar Message Composition, is the first class to enlist creative writers in a potential cosmic conversation, funded in part by the National Aeronautics and Space Administration's uh, Wyoming Space Grant Consortium. It's designed to fill a practical, if extremely theoretical, need. The article continues. We've thought a lot about how we might communicate with other worlds, but we haven't thought much about what we'd actually say, says Lockwood, a professor of natural science and humanities, end of quote. God speaks to his children in sundry ways, a booming voice that sounds like thunder to a still small voice. In either case, the words are inscribed on the table of the believer's heart. God speaks to the great prophet Elijah in 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, and behold the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. But after, and after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out 
and stood in the entering in of the gates, a cave, excuse me, and behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? How about this passage? Isaiah 30, verse 21. And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when ye turn to the right hand, or when ye turn to the left. A two-way conversation is going on between God and His children, as well as to the unsaved who are being called unto the day of their personal reckoning and salvation. To those unfamiliar with what science knows as glossolalia, which the Bible knows as speaking in unknown tongues, what you'll read next will be bizarre indeed. Know for certainty, however, that it is true. Not only does God speak to His children, they are equipped with a supernatural language, which they receive when baptized with the Holy Ghost, which takes that believer to the highest level of divine communication. The following excerpts are from the God Said, Man Said feature, speaking to and getting measurable results from the extraterrestrials, part two. The born again not only hear, but can speak to God who created and rules over terrestrials and extraterrestrials alike. God has developed various means through which he can speak and communicate with him, which we can speak and communicate with him. One, the prayer of faith, which is direct communication with God. Two, daily walking in the spirit and spiritually interfacing with God. Three, speaking in unknown tongues. And number four, meditation. Science is looking for a language with which to speak to extraterrestrials. This should send a shock through the halls of higher learning, although you should expect they won't be listening. There is a language with which man can speak to extraterrestrials directly. Isaiah the prophet speaks of this extraterrestrial language in chapter 28, verses 11 and 12. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest, wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. 1 Corinthians 14, 21 quotes that passage from Isaiah, referring to the supernatural ministry of speaking in tongues. It is estimated that as many as 585 million, or one out of four of the world's confessing Christians, speak in unknown tongues, which is a supernatural language that the individual speaker does not understand, but God does. 1 Corinthians 14, 2, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. Imagine such a phenomenal ability to be able to speak in this marvelous language. This ability is obtained by believers when they receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, as they did on the day of Pentecost, recorded in Acts 2, 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Jesus said the following concerning the ministry of the Holy Ghost in Mark 16, 17, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new 
tongues. Science wants to learn to speak to extraterrestrials. The born again already can. God said, 2 Timothy 3, 7, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is the state of carnal science. Communicating with the spiritual realm, extraterrestrials, is not accomplished via high-tech equipment and scholarship, but through childlike faith and simplicity, end of quote. Is the Bible to be believed regarding this amazing supernatural language that allows one to speak to God himself? And can one still get it today? The following is from the God Said, Man Said feature, Speaking in Tongues and the Supreme Court, Critical Power for Deep Darkness. The charismatic experience, also known by charismatic believers as the baptism in the Holy Ghost, is initially typified by the speaking in unknown tongues. It is receiving special attention in the field of neurology, and as you should suspect, the full veracity of the Holy Scriptures is proven once again. To those unfamiliar with the concept of speaking in tongues, it is a supernatural ability directly associated with the biblical baptism of the Holy Ghost. This promise is made in Acts 2, 38 and 39. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. It is a God-given language of men and angels, 1 Corinthians 13, 1, for the edification of the believer and a direct channel to the ear of God. But the language is unknown to the speaker. The Apostle Paul testifies it in 1 Corinthians 14, 18 and says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than ye all. This is a large supernatural proof that God is. More information on the neurological activity that takes place when one speaks in tongues is reported in the 2009 book, How God Changes Your Brain. The book's authors are Andrew Newberg, M.D., a neurological scientist, and Mark Waldman, author and co-author of 10 books, as well as a lecturer and therapist. They documented the measurable changes that take place when one meditates, prays, and sings, and some startling insights into what happens when one speaks in tongues. The following paragraphs are from their book. However, we have discovered that other forms of religious practices have very different neurological effects. In 2003, I brought in members from a Pentecostal church and scanned them while they engaged in the practice of speaking in tongues. To those unfamiliar with this practice, it may sound like a foreign language or babble, but I have heard renditions that reminded me of med medieval Italian liturgies and ancient Assyrian poems. For the Pentecostal practitioner, it is an energizing state filled with profound spiritual meaning and joy. Glossolalia, as it is academically called, is not a form of contemplative meditation. Rather, it is a type of spontaneous verbal monologue. Editor's note. Keep in mind as you read the next sentence that 1 Corinthians 14, 14 reads, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. 
the knowing part of the brain is not engaged, Dr. Newberg continues. Instead of focusing one's attention on a specific phrase or ideal which increases activity in the frontal lobe, the practitioner surrenders voluntary control and thus a significant degree of ordinary consciousness by deliberately slowing down frontal lobe activity. This in turn allows the limbic areas of the brain to become more active, which neurologically increases the emotional intensity of the experience. Our brain scan studies of contemplative forms of Buddhist and Christian meditation showed that when activity and the parietal areas decreases, a sense of timelessness and spacelessness emerges. This allows the meditator to feel at one with the object of contemplation, with God, the universe, peacefulness, or any other object upon which he or she focuses. However, when Pentecostals speak in tongues, parietal activity increases, this gives them the sense that a separate entity is communicating with them. End of quote. The New York-based Dana Foundation is a philanthropic organization dedicated to advancing brain research. In 2013, the Dana Foundation published the following article titled, Speaking in Tongues, Glossolalia and Stress Reduction. Excerpts follow. At the heart of the Pentecostal experience is the act of speaking in tongues known as glossolalia. What goes on in the brain of people engaging in this unusual form of utterance? Recent neurological research has shown that glossolalia may be a more directed activity than previously believed and may play a direct role in diffusing stress reactions. End of quote. Again, now remember 1 Corinthians 14, 14, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. Now back to the Dana Foundation's article. In 2006, glossolalia rekindled the interest of researchers after neuroscientist Andrew Newberg and associates at the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine recorded single-photon emission computerized tomography scans of active glossolalists, hymn singers were used as controls. Unlike people engaged in attention-focusing tasks like mindful meditation, people speaking in tongues while being scanned showed decreased cerebral flow, a blood flow, activity, and the prefrontal cortices. Glossolalia brain function appears to be more similar to other trance-like states in which the frontal lobe activity diminishes as the person loses their sense of purposefully performing the practice, said Newberg in an interview for this article. In some sense, it is the opposite of the concentrated process of meditation, end of quote. Note 1 Corinthians 14.32, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. The article continues. Under close observation, glossolalic utterances are beginning to look more like goal-directed actions and less like involuntary outbursts. In the Newberg study, subjects claim to have no control over their speech patterns during an episode of glossolalia, but they were able to begin tongue-speaking more or less on demand while being scanned. It seems to be something that someone can ready themselves to do, but once they are fully into it, they experience being taken over by it, Newberg said. As one glossolalius explained, when I am speaking in tongues, I generally do not exercise control over the syllables that I am speaking. 
However, at all times, I have full control over the pitch, volume, clarity of pronunciation, whether to cease or pause, etc. If glossolalia is partially voluntary but does not affect the brain like concentrated meditation, then what exactly does it do? And a 2011 report in the American General of Human Biology, biological anthropologist Christopher Lynn and co-workers at the University of Albany defined glossolalia as an embodied pattern of religious behavior with biological outcomes and tentatively demonstrated that one of those outcomes may be the reduction of biological stress. Lynn's team found that glossolalia was associated with both a reduction in circulatory cortisol and enhancements in alpha amylase enzyme activity, two common biomarkers of stress reduction that can be measured in saliva. Lynn's study of 52 Pentecostals in New York's Hudson Valley found that the experience of glossolalia dampened reactions to normal daily stressors. As for glossolalia, Lynn notes that religion has been referred to as a super stimulator, exploiting numerous basic cognitive mechanisms in a synergistic way, end quote. The following paragraphs are from the November 7, 2006 article in the New York Times entitled, A Neuroscientific Look at Speaking in Tongues. The amazing thing was how the brain images supported people's interpretation of what was happening, said Dr. Andrew B. Newberg, leader of the study team, which included Donna Morgan, Nancy Wintering, and Mark Walden. The way they describe it and what they believe is that God is talking through them, he said. Contrary to what may be a common perception, studies suggest that people who speak in tongues rarely suffer from mental problems. A recent study of nearly 1,000 evangelical Christians in England found that those who engaged in the practice were more emotionally stable than those who did not, end of quote. The Christian Post writes under the heading, Medical Study Proves Validity of Speaking in Tongues. In 2008, the University of Pennsylvania released findings from a medical study proving that the practice of speaking in tongues is sourced by the Holy Spirit. In the study, participants' brain activity was monitored while they spoke in tongues, giving the medical researchers scientific insight into the parts of the brain active while speaking in those heavenly tongues, and the results were astonishing. It is this spiritual phenomenon that Dr. Andrew Newberg, while at the University of Pennsylvania, set out to find an explanation for what most regard as unexplainable. While trying to discover the relationship between faith and science, his study quickly ascertained that speaking in tongues is absolutely not regular language. Newberg states to ABC News, it's not language, it's not regular language at least, that would normally activate the frontal lobe of the brain. And remarkably, he discovered that what's happening to the test subjects when they pray in tongues, neurologically, it looks a lot like what they say is happening to them spiritually. When the test subjects prayed in their native language, their brain activity indicated normal behavior for speech in the frontal lobe. However, when the same test subjects prayed in tongues, their brain activity showed something extremely different. The test subject scan showed that the frontal lobe, the part of the brain that controls language, was active when he prayed in English, but for the most part, it fell quiet when he prayed in tongues. Dr. Newberg confirmed this finding, saying, 
when they are actually engaged in this whole very intense spiritual practice for them, their frontal lobes tend to go down in activity, but I think it's very consistent with the kind of experience that they have because they say that they are not in charge. It's the voice of God, the Spirit of God that's moving through them. End of quote. These are the final days, and they will be exceedingly dark. It is a comfort to know that the baptism in the Holy Ghost is more, exceedingly more, than a match. We have been designed by our Creator to interface with His Spirit. We need to be about it. Some of you have yet to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Some of you have tried to be filled numerous times without success and feel it to be impossible. That changes today. Some of you have been filled and spoken other tongues, but have rarely or never spoken again. That changes today. Click on to the God Said, Man Said Holy Ghost series and expect your miracle in feature number five. However, you must not skip ahead. When visiting feature number five, be sure you are alone or with others who are there for the same purpose. You will receive. End of quotes. Today's science is investing much time and money to locate and then communicate with extraterrestrials only to find the children of faith are already there. They have been contacted and interfaced daily with the entire Godhead, listening and talking walkie-talkie style. Two sentences from Scientific American feature long-distance call cited earlier read, It is our responsibility to struggle with this and clue as many people in as possible. We hope by publishing this paper we can encourage people to think about this, God said, man said, agrees. The Bible, the artifact supreme as you should suspect, has the answer, and of course they always end up here. God's word is true and righteous altogether, a place to build a life that will last forever. God said, 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? God said, Mark chapter 16, verse 17, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. God said, Romans eight twenty six and 27, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Man said, I need to help save the world. I've got to reduce my carbon footprint and make sure I'm recycling. Getting my soul saved doesn't fit with my sophisticated and so magnanimous lifestyle. I think you know what I mean. Now you have the record.